Good morning. Hope you're all uh, feeling refreshed after a good night's sleep and the warm air of your, t- your tents. So you seem to be a bit cold. Um, last night I didn't really have any uh, questions. Time for questions. Everybody looked very sleepy. I was very sleepy. So. Uh, but I wonder if uh, this morning there are uh, any questions or observations, comments you want to make about what we were looking at uh, last night uh, when we were looking at a community of grace. Uh, I know some of you weren't here, certainly the room is fuller this morning than it was last night. So. Uh, but uh, any, any comments or questions that anyone would like to uh, get? I know that's been a shock to the system, isn't it? Being asked to participate so early on in the morning. Yes. Okay, I, I don't want you to get the idea that that's easy, though. I mean, uh, well, as you all know, I'm sure. You know, just going back to the cross and going back and recognizing our brokenness, confessing our sins, searching our hearts, facing up to who we are before God, and then looking again at the cross. And you know, in all those moments, in my eight o'clock moment, I, I was talking last night about how um, at 7:30 I'm calm, collected, and uh, you know, and, and a picture of godliness. Uh, but, uh, but actually at 8 o'clock when I have to get the kids out to school then I'm all frazzled and fraught and angry and frustrated and uh, it's in those moments that we have to again look at the cross and that's the hard work isn't it it's easy to sit there reflecting on the wonders of the cross at 7.30 in the calm of your, uh, of your armchair uh, it's when the pressure's on that you have to go back and, and remember that God is in control that God is sovereign, that God is gracious and that's hard work that, that requires a, a disciplining of the mind and the heart uh, day by day, moment by moment. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, great. Uh, just to reiterate then, I, I, what I wanted to say, and I do feel this more and more, this, uh, that uh, you know, uh, the, the foundation of community and of uh, is is God's grace to us, our experience of God's grace, that's what I was trying to say, that you need to be more excited about grace than you are about community. That's going to be the heartbeat of uh, any community, a commitment to God's grace. Okay, I think, um, I think what we'll do, let me see, I think what we'll do is we'll go into groups, but just in this room, now I know that's a bit complicated, but just for sort of like a three minute Splurge of, of group work. Okay, so uh, so if you can sort of uh, yeah, if you can get into your groups. Now, how are we going to do that? Could we go A to whatever is the ninth letter of the alphabet, which is. If we just go, if we just go A B C D E F G H I. Okay. So all the A's head somewhere down the front here and the B's are sort of second row, third row, fourth row, E row, F row, G row, 
whatever. Well, then we those groups on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you might just sort of wander around going A-A-A-A-A or B-B-B-B or I-I-I. Okay, if you're in group A, you should be over here. If you're in group B, is that B over there? If you're in group C, there's just a big hole where there should be C. Right, where's group C? I, I can only see it. Oh, where's group B then? Oh, your group B, okay. B, C, D, we got a, we got a group D. Wave at me if you're in group D. Group E, F, G, H, I. Spread out across the back, that's great. Okay, well, uh, if you've not already done this, then just make sure you know everybody in your group. Um, say hello, introduce yourselves. Just, just wave your, wave your name badge, at people. Right. Oh, let's see if I can get my thing to work. Okay. There's a question to start you off this morning. What are your dreams for your church? What are your dreams for your church? And uh, I'm not going to constrain that question any more than that, okay? So you can take that any way you like. What are your dreams for your church? Go. I don't mean your nightmares, you know, when you wake up in a comfort. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. Okay, uh, not everyone has to contribute, but you might like just to check that uh, there's not someone there who's uh, waiting to say something and uh, hasn't had the chance. Okay, let's uh, come together. And uh, I'm not sure if we can feed back everything, but you might like to shout out just one sentence or even just one word that captures some of the things that were being said in your group uh, but you'll have to uh, you'll just have to shout out loud and there was an image maybe or uh, an idea just a line yeah okay a place where you can be yourself and where you can be honest okay yep great a church without walls, okay? I like it.
Uh, build on its existing qualities, being word-based. Okay. United team. Seven days a week. Okay. Family. Twice. Something you'd be proud to bring your friends to. Yeah. Okay, to be a model of church, for particularly for those that are passing through, you, like you, you students and so on. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll take feedback in the form of a mime or dance if you're... <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it's okay. That's great. Yes, you're doing very well. I think. Uh, uh, let me try and summarise your summary. Which, but a church that's not—they're um, not kind of focused just on one Sunday morning meeting, but is somehow diffused into the week and into the community. Okay, so not a vacuum cleaner sucking people in from the community, more a kind of leaf blower blowing everybody out. Yeah. Okay, cross generational. Okay, very good. Yeah. but comfortable with being uncomfortable in the sense of not everything work it's just how I would like it but actually there's a recognition of the differences and the different needs and uh, desires that different members of the community have okay I like that comfortable with being uncomfortable alright not being defined by labels of churchmanship okay anybody else yes Okay, 
for everyone to feel included regardless of, regardless of language and culture and so on. Okay, good. Okay, that's great. Wow, we'll come back to some of the, some, well, some of those issues will come up, we'll, we'll cover, other, but we'll come back to some of your dreams uh, later on when we, uh, yeah. But I want to start uh, with uh, a quiz. And uh, I think, seeing as, uh, seeing as you're in groups, we may as well run it competitively. <laughs> so uh, you'll have to get into a huddle. And uh, the question is, I'm going to put up a series of poems, and they're only going to be there for three seconds. Okay, so you've got to, you've got to really wake up now. And, uh, and, yeah. and so you might, I think there are nine or ten or eleven, I can't remember. So you might just want to, someone in your group wants to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you need to sort of get your heads together so that the uh, other group can't hear what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, you can, there's a screen over there if you can't see. Although you'll probably, it will be better if you turn around. So, are you ready? Because you only get three seconds for each one. Who lives here? Okay. You might just want to take a moment to kind of catch up, fill in the answers, make sure you've got everything. Uh, put your hand up if your group is ready. Ready for... Uh, no? You're still, you're still debating... Still discussing. Still trying to remember. I can't remember. Maybe nine. You've got nine answers. Ah. <laughs> You've got 18 and you're just going to put in the one. <laughs> okay, is everybody happy? Everybody ready? Okay, you're self-marking. I'm going to have to trust you, okay? Okay, what was the answer to that? Yes, very good. It's very good. I, you know, you're, you're very sharp. Most people would go Tony Blair. And if you've got Tony Blair you get half a mark because, because actually it's, it's Gordon Brown this isn't breaking news we haven't had a sort of change of leadership this morning uh, when they moved in because Tony Blair has a bigger family he moved into number 11 because they have a bigger more accommodation in number 11 and Gordon Brown is actually in number 10 so there we are uh, what about that one? Frodo Baggins or Bilbo Baggins I don't mind whether you're a hobbit or a Lord of the Rings reader but uh, yeah I, either, either any, any baggins will do for that one. 
Yes, that is uh, Beckingham Palace. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, Vic, um, David and Victoria Beckham. Uh, that's the real thing. That's the, uh, that's the Queen. The Duke and Duchess of Devonshire. Very good. That's Chatsworth, just down the road from where I live. In fact, you can just see my apartment in the corner there. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how... No. It is. Very good. It is the Dursleys. Uh, but you can have Harry Potter. Yeah. Sorry? No? It is. It's Graceland. Elvis. Well, Elvis lived there. He doesn't live there anymore. Well. <laughs> he's the janitor. Scooby-Doo. Very good. Bellboy. Very good. And George Bush. How many did you get? Who... How many were there? I can't even remember how many there were. <laughs> there are 11. Who got 11? Who got 10? 9? 8 and a half? You got, you got 9. So I declare group B or C be the winner, I think. Very good. Okay, who lives here? That's my uh, congregation, and uh, let me read from uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 20, or 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So who lives there? God lives there. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? You don't know this, I tell you. That really is an amazing thought. Um, the local Christian community is the place where God lives. It is God's home. Uh, not a temple, not a cathedral not a palace, we have been given the job of building a home for God. And you are that home. Where is God present in your community? Where can people find him? Well, the answer is among you. And as I was saying yesterday, that's not theoretical. It's not some kind of abstract, idealised church. God lives in East Oxford. And you are, you are, you are the home in which he lives. You are building a home for God. And of course, don't think of the uh, school building or the uh, church building in which you meet. It, it is you and your relationships with one another in which God lives. Imagine you were given the job of showing off uh, God's wisdom and glory. You had to build a monument to that, to showcase to his glory. What would you build? Well, uh, have a look at uh, Ephesians 3, or I'll read it to you if you've uh, somehow in uh, all the confusion you've got separated from your Bible. 
Ephesians 3 verse 10. Uh, here's that is God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again the local Christian community is the demonstration of God's wisdom to the unseen powers. Not a, not a tower, not a pyramid, not a trophy cabinet full of silverware. We are God's showcase. We are the display of his glory. Now how does that happen? Uh, can we, uh, where's uh, Miriam? Can you, can you come and give us our reading? We're going to read now from uh, uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through to, uh, halfway through uh, chapter 3. So, but, uh, Right, everyone found Ephesians? Okay, so starting at chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one, one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we, have, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles 
and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach the to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so how do we uh, display God's glory? How are we a home for God? Well, it is by being a reconciled community. Uh, go back to the uh, beginning of the passage we just read. To those opening verses as Paul there describes what used to be the case therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that done in the body by the hands of men remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise so uh, previously the Gentiles were separate from Christ, excluded from Israel, foreigners to the promise. And then if you move over to chapter 3 verse 6, you see those same phrases being used again, but now the situation has changed completely. The mystery is that through the Gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And I hope you can see that, as I've, the way I've, I've just changed the order a bit, but just to bring out the fact that once separate, now members together. Once excluded, now heirs together. Once foreigners, now sharers together in the promise. So, uh, so what these, these, these groups that were divided and separated are now together in Christ. They are now reconciled to that. Paul, as we saw yesterday, has been reminding us that we were once dead in sin, objects of God's wrath, but God, in his mercy, has made us alive in Christ, entirely through his grace, entirely on his initiative. And now he kind of sets that in the wider context of God's purposes in history. The Gentiles, the nations, the, the word Gentiles is the same word as the word nations, they were once left out of the Messiah's kingdom, separate, excluded, foreigners, but now, in Christ, they have been brought together. How do we display God's glory? We display God's glory because we are a reconciled community. God's great purpose in history is to create a new reconciled people. Uh, Paul says that in, uh, in halfway through uh, verse 15. He said his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two thus making peace. God is creating in the church a new humanity, a reconciled people through Christ, bringing all nations into God's new humanity, into God's people 
through his blood. And uh, at the centre of that is Christ. Paul says that Christ is our peace, verses 14 and 15. It is a community found in Christ and only in him. Uh, The law of Moses was uh, a barrier marking off the Jews from the Gentiles. It was a kind of badge that separated them out, that, that made it clear to the Jews that they were very different from those around them. But now in Christ, that dividing barrier, that wall has been broken down. Christ is our peace. And then Paul kind of changes the language a bit and says Christ has made peace. We were objects of God's wrath, but now Christ has borne that wrath in our place. And so now we accept one another just as Christ has accepted us. We have, he has made peace between us and God and therefore between us and one another within the community. And then he says that Christ preached peace, verse 17. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. The far away is the Gentiles, the near are the Jews. In Christ, the message of this message of reconciliation goes to all. And there is no discrimination. It is a message that uh, is for all people. And so salvation is not just personal. It's not about an individual relationship with God. Personal faith and repentance are important, of course they are, but they are important because they are the means by which you become part of the people for whom Christ died. In fact, later on in uh, chapter 5, Paul talks about how Christ died for the church to create a bride for himself. So God's purpose wasn't just to kind of save a load of uh, random ad hoc individuals here, there and everywhere, but to create a people, a family, a community, his body, his bride the church and that's how the story of the Bible is told God's plan of salvation focuses first upon Abraham and his family and then upon Israel it is the story of how God saves and guides and leads and judges Israel and others join God's people people like Rahab and Ruth but they are coming into this new community others forsake their privileges and kind of remove themselves and so the the prophets speak of a remnant a a group within the group who are the true people of God and that finds its fulfilment then in the church Paul is saying that now uh, that the Gentiles can be part of God's people not by becoming Jews but by becoming coming to Christ by faith and in fact the idea is bigger even than just reconciliation between Jew and Gentile I don't know if you spotted uh, last, uh, last night when we read from chapter 1 that uh, Paul says uh, that the mystery of his will uh, this is chapter 1 verse 9 that he made known that and this is what it is it is to be put into effect when the times will reach their fulfilment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head even Christ there's that word together to bring all things together to reconcile all, all those divisions uh, into one new humanity humanity in Adam is fragmented dividing warring full of hostilities bitterness and strife and we see that don't we we see that in families we see that in communities we see that between countries we see it in nationalism prejudice racism But in Christ, God is creating a new beginning. In the church, sorry, through Christ. In the church, God is creating a new beginning. A new humanity, a new community, where there will be harmony and unity. And the church then is the beginning, the foretaste of what God is going to do throughout the whole cosmos. 
bringing it all back together into harmony under Christ. And so that's why Paul says in the passage we, uh, in the verse I read earlier, and which we read in our reading, uh, that it is uh, verse uh, 3, verse 10, its intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Not even just to the world around us, though we'll come back and think about that. Uh, we do make God known through to other people through community. But actually more than that, to the heavenly realms, to Satan and his forces, Satan Satan's great achievement, if that's the right word, was to kind of bring disharmony into the good world that God had made, to fracture it and fragment it. But the church is the signal to Satan that his time is coming to an end and that God is going to restore that fractured universe. We are the first sign of a new dawn, of a new age. We are an outpost of heaven. We are heaven on earth. And it's not just you and gentle, as I said. I, I just, as I sat there thinking about some of your, your uh, responses, what this means is that, let me see if I can get my thoughts into gear, that a, a church that was geared just around Jews would not display the manifold wisdom of God in the heavenly realms. And a church that was geared just around Gentiles would not do the job either. It was only a church where Jew and Gentile came together that would display God's manifold wisdom. But substituting to that all the other divisions that exist in our society, a church that was geared just about around white people wouldn't do the job. A church that was geared just about young people wouldn't do the job. A church that was geared just around old people wouldn't do the job. You see how this works? A, 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 a church that was geared just around uh, students and graduates wouldn't do the job. A church that was just geared around working class people wouldn't do the job. It's only, it's only as we bring together, not, not that we can get it, you know, we have to reflect our demographic, you can't get every, want someone from every nation in your church or so on, but, but you have to have that welcome, that, that inclusion. And it's only by doing that. If people feel left out, then we're not quite displaying the manifold wisdom of God in the heavenly realms. Do you get that? Might be something we go, we play around with a bit so we think that one through, what that might mean. Are you with me? Any questions on that just before I come? Yeah, and what I want, what, again, we'll come back to this, but what I want you to get in your heads around is often we feel like I don't want to bring my non-Christian friends to church because church is full of a whole load of people that aren't really like them and they might not feel like this is their kind of crew kind of thing but what you've got to realise is that's the magic of church if I can use that word probably, probably not kind of right word that's the genius of, of the local church local church is probably the only place where you will find such a diverse group of people who are united and not just sort of meeting together on a Sunday but caring for one another and committed to one another and that's that's the supernatural thing about the church and that's 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 what we've got to we've got to show that off if I can put it like that do you see what I mean not 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 sort of be slightly embarrassed by the fact that when they come to church there are a whole load of people that are whatever whatever differences you know you're, you're don't, 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 don't make that your, uh, the weak point. That's the strong point about church. 
quite sure I'd follow that. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me, uh, I want to read a, a poem to you now and uh, let's hope this works. I just want to go back to that idea that, uh, it, for me, it just, it's a, been a very significant poem in my, uh, in my thinking and so on. Uh, I just said a moment ago that we are in the light, so that first chink of light breaking into the darkness of the world around us, because we are, we are the beginning of God's new world. We are the place where God is, you know, this, this, this room is where God is beginning to, cre- to, to restore the harmony of a fractured universe that one day he will do when all things are brought together under Christ. And uh, what a powerful idea that is. This is uh, a poem by uh, Stuart Henderson. Uh, And uh, there are pictures of Sheffield up there. Is this the land of milk and honey? The one for which this city gave conscripted youth to war's dark waters Woodbine battalions of the brave. This, this city of abandoned vehicles, bankrupt stock and playtime crack, a promised land of little promise, a gaunt consumer cul-de-sac. When we were young, Orwell Priestley chastened us with postcards home, writing of a TB kingdom, a cloth-capped land of monochrome. And as for their HP descendants, cocooned in space with satellite, not knowing of the word redemption, owned by the lone shark's knock at night. Is this the land of milk and honey, where birdsong seldom cleans the air, and all around is glass confetti, and only strangers pause to stare? Absorbed into the local spirits, demons of despondency souls and bodies soaked in debt crying out for jubilee yet heaven lingers in these side streets amidst the metal shutter shops where lethal games played with syringes have long replaced kids spinning tops and heaven lodges in these side streets feeling each tormenting pain counting out each tranquilizer visiting the barely sane. This is a land of milk and honey and perpetual alarms full of light and sawn-off menace a daily paradox of psalms. This is a land of milk and honey bereft of bud and bursting leaves though glory may not seem apparent a place where Jesus lives and breathes. And I want you to think of East Oxford and uh, just to get that sort of image, that idea that in East Oxford there is a place where Jesus lives and breathes and that is you. The Christian community is the sign and the presence of liberation in a broken world so that heaven lodges 
in these side streets. It lodges in the side streets of East Oxford. We are the place where Jesus lives and breathes. I think we will... No, let's carry on just for quickly. So, two implications of that. Uh, first one, quite quickly, we'll come back perhaps to this tomorrow. I think we need to be committed to community. If it is true that uh, the Christian community is the home of God and the showcase of his glory, uh, of his wisdom, uh, then we need to have a commitment to that community. And uh, what that looks like, Paul begins to describe at the beginning of chapter 4. Let me just read uh, three of those verses. We'll uh, be looking at chapter 4 a bit more tomorrow. But as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, What is that calling to which we have been called that Paul talks about there in verse 1? Well, I think he tells us, he's already talked about it in chapter 1, verse 18. He says there, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And I think there that Paul, when Paul talks about inheritance there, he's not talking about our inheritance of uh, heaven, he talks about that uh, a little bit earlier in the chapter, but actually God's inheritance, we are God's inheritance. The saints to whom Paul writes are God's inheritance. We are God's great purpose in history. We are the people, as we said, for whom Christ died. God's great purpose was to present a bride uh, for, to his son. And so we are to live as uh, God's inheritance. We are to live as Christ's bright and uh, so we are to be committed God was committed to his bride committed so much that he gave his son and we are also to be committed to one another to that Christian community and that means being humble and gentle being patient it means bearing with one another it means making every effort to keep the unity of the, of the spirit so that's the first thing And uh, then the second thing is a commitment to mission through community. And that's what I want to uh, focus on in the rest of our time together. Uh, But I think uh, it might be time for a break. So uh, I I think it's sort of help yourself to see coffee, is that right? Where, Where they were yesterday in the sort of go down through there and turn left and into the lounge. There's a kitchen at the end. So help yourself to see coffee. And then what you might want to do is uh, by all means run off to the loo and get some fresh air but then as you come back come back into your groups and you might want to spread out a bit more for this so uh, some of the if all the groups on this side go and find somewhere to live in in there you might take a cup of coffee with you now if you've looked at uh, the um, the uh, what's it called gospel centre church you might have done this but I think it's such a good one I'm going to make you do it again so what I want you to do is when you imagine that you're a church planting team in Spain Okay, you, just the little group that you're in. You are the team, okay? And uh, here, are some, here are some questions that you, would, you, you might want to think through. Where are you going to live? How are you going to approach employment? What standard of living? What are you going to spend? Etc, etc, okay? They're in the booklet, so you don't have to... Uh, yeah, so you can take your booklet with you uh, if you're in there, if you, so you don't have to look through the curtain, the veil.
<laughs> that divides. Uh, you'll uh, find. Is that clear? So uh, take sort of 10, 15 minutes, and then if you can, if you could try and be back in your groups by 10 past, uh, you can have a cup of tea in your hand and uh, go for it. Applying the same kind of approach to your uh, your work in East Oxford. Any reflections or observations? Oh look, there's the, there's the, okay. Anybody? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Yep, okay. Yep. Uh, okay, yeah, it's good, yep. Did you feel, sorry, it was a, yep, okay. So if you were going as a team, you're saying, there would be some attempt to kind of define a common focus that isn't there at the moment. But my, okay, the question is though, why can't you do that now? Uh, yeah, it helps to be in Sheffield. <laughs> but there are very expensive parts of Spain. Now, of course, you, if you were going to church plant in Spain, you wouldn't take 90, 100 people with you, probably. So you might find in a group this size that you get some foci, plural, with people working together in different... I, I'm you know, making this up as I go along, but... That's what you might, so it might not be that, that you all 90 of you have to decide a common focus and all live within 100 yards of each other. But there may be some decisions you make in order to work together to reach people. Seems there a reason why you shouldn't do that now, is there? Yeah. 
Yes, there's an interesting point. Let me make a couple of comments on that, though I'm not pretending to answer them. But traditionally, churches define their mission in terms of their neighbourhood. They, they were trying to reach the neighbourhood around them. Um, but increasingly in modern life, as it were, neighbourhood and... And that, that, that was kind of made sense because neighbourhood and community were the same thing. But increasingly in modern life, community is not necessarily the same as neighbourhood. Though you'd be surprised how much neighbourhood still is a factor of... Well, you wouldn't be surprised because you're all... But neighbourhood still is an important factor of community. But some, some people, uh, their community, the people they spend time with and have relationships with are colleagues, friends, people they do leisure with. Uh, they, may, they may shop, they may even eat, not in the area where they live. And so community is defined in a different kind of way for them. And it may be that, and I'm not didn't get answers here, just raising the question, that we need to think of community in a different kind of way, uh, in a more networked sort of out way. And uh, when we come, and, as, I'm about, as we're about to think about how we how we do mission through community, then that, you have to bear that in mind. It doesn't necessarily mean geography. Okay? But one of the things we found in Sheffield was we, we came sort of with this in our heads, but still proximity does make a huge difference. And there's something about a 10-minute walk seems a lot nearer than a 10-minute drive takes you 10 minutes either way but somehow it just seems nearer uh, and so you're more likely to pop round if you don't have to get in the car than if you do so anyway those are questions we can Yes, yes. And one of the things that you may find is, again, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll come back to this, but when we talk about missions community, I mean, I want to put the primary emphasis on the local church, but there may be situations, like when you're at work, where that actually means cooperating with people from different churches who work in the same vocation, or we're talking to somebody about uh, uh, the same school in, in, the, in the same playground, as it were, you know, the mums gathering playground. Uh, let's move on and then we'll, and, but some of these issues we'll come back to and pick up, okay? Uh, what I want to do is just to explore what it means to do mission through community because that's what we've been talking about. This is about reminding us that commu- uh, mission is central to, to our identity as, as a congregation. But what I want to particularly do is, if, uh, is to talk about actually mission through community, how the ch- church as a community... Uh, should be central to the way we do mission. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How will people know that we are Jesus' disciples? It is as we love one another. It's as they see our love for one another. And then... uh, we read already from Ephesians 3 that, that it is the church as a reconciled community bringing different groups together that testifies to the wisdom of God in the heavenly realms and I think to on earth. 
And so Christian community is a vital part of Christian mission. Mission takes place as people see our love for one another. We all know that the gospel is communicated not only through our words, but also through our lives. What Jesus is saying in, uh, in, uh, when, he's, when he gives a new command, what Paul is saying in Ephesians, is it's not only through our lives, but our life together as a Christian community. That is part of the way the gospel is communi- communicated. And so we need to be communities of love, but also, and here's the challenge, we need to be seen to be communities of love. In other words, if, that, if mission is going to take place in that way, if, that, if our relationships with one another is going to reinforce the message we say, people need to see that happening. They need to see us in relationship with one another. Obviously. You see that? You're all going to be blank me, Michael. And so that means people need to encounter the church as a network of relationships, not just a sort of building or a building you enter or a meeting you attend, but as a a network of relationships in which they see uh, our love for one another, in which they see grace being worked out. Don't don't for one moment think that this means you need to be a perfect community. Uh, In fact, uh, well, not that such a thing exists, but... Because we are, we are never, are we? We are never witness. We, we are never pointing to good works. This is the way of salvation. You don't have to be perfect community. We are witnesses to the grace of God, and people see grace as you fall out and wind each other up, and yet remain committed to one another, continue to love one another, make up, reconcile, forgive. And so you don't think you have to get it. You know, don't don't worry. Almost. Kind of, if you fall out and wind each other up. As long as there's that commitment to one another and to God's grace. That is, that is actually, that's the magic of the gospel. I've used that word twice now this morning. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, there we go. Uh, it's not in my notes, I hasten to add. Um, and so what you want in, in order to do mission, you need to be building relationships with unbelievers, but also you need to be introducing your unbelieving friends to your believing friends. So it's not just, if you imagine the uh, church as a kind of group of people here in the middle, and this person here has a relationship with here, up here and here, that sort of string running off here, and this person has a, some relationships up here, but they never kind of meet, it's just me, I have my relationships that I'm praying for and hoping one day will come to church, and you have your relationships that you're praying for and hoping will one day come to church and they're kind of disconnected. We need to be introducing them so they get kind of caught up in the network of relationships. And that doesn't mean that you have to get them there on a Sunday morning, sort of, as the first point port of call. Don't, don't, don't mistake mission through community as mission through church services. There are a lot of people out there who it'll be, it'll be a long time before they darken the door of a church. But they will go to the cinema with you and your friends or they will come round for a meal and meet your friends and they'll begin to see Christians in relationship in fact Toffs would be a great example of that wouldn't it in fact there are people there's a chance for people for not unbelievers to see Christians in relationship with one another uh, unbelievers who wouldn't come to Sunday morning church not straight off but they will go and visit a, a garden or whatever with some friends. And, and in, in the process, they see Christians in relationship with one another. 
Um, I haven't a clue where I am on my balcony. Here we go. Uh, Paul says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. Notice there that what mission meant for Paul was sharing the gospel. I don't want in any way to diminish that or take that away. It's a message, the word to be communicated, to be uh, spoken. Uh, but also involve sharing lives. Sharing lives. I was going to get you doing an exercise, we probably don't really have time, but just thinking of some of the ways that people do mission that involve sharing the gospel but not sharing lives. Can you think of any examples of that kind of... I don't, you don't need to shout them out, but just in your head, can you think of things? It's very common, I think. People stand on a street corner and, and they share the gospel, but they're not sharing lives. Uh, yeah, uh, but then you get people who do the sharing lives but not the sharing the gospel and actually you get people who do that and call it mission uh, but Paul it's the two together I was talking to a guy um, he, he, he's a friend of someone in our church and he rang him up and said do you want to come and do some street preaching with me and my, my friend said, well, I'm not really... <laughs> no, basically, he said. Uh, but uh, come round and let's talk about it. And so I was roped in at this point. And, uh, you know, he began by thinking... The conversation began with him thinking, these people probably aren't really very committed to evangelism. Because they're not, re- they, they're not very keen on street preaching, you see. And as we talked about our approach and talked about sharing lives with people, by the end he was saying... I'm not really sure if I'm up for that kind of uh, way of doing it. Because <laughs> that sounds a bit 24-7 to me. In other words, you know, he's all quite Saturday afternoon, a couple of hours of evangelism, job done, go home, get on with it, you know. But this is about living a life that uh, where there's a commitment to the gospel all the way through. And actually, actually sharing, being committed to people. That can sometimes be hard work. So let's uh, try and put this together. Uh, this is an exercise that uh, we, we, we won't do. But I'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a truncated version a bit later on. Uh, you might want to go away and do it uh, uh, on your own later. So I'll come back to that. Um, but let's uh, put it together. I think that uh, when you think about mission or evangelism in your context you'll find it helpful, I, I find it very helpful, to think of these three elements. That mission involves building relationships, sharing the gospel, and introducing to the community. It's not rocket science, I don't want to, I don't, if you're looking at that and saying, well that's, obviously, that's just a statement of the obvious, that, that's great, you know, I'm, uh, hopefully it is. But I find it a very helpful little model. So that when I'm trying to reach my friends or I'm trying to reach a group of people, we're trying to do some work with Kurds, so when I'm trying to think, how can we reach Kurdish refugees? I say, well, what are the things I can do that will build relationships with these people? Or take them further, deepen them, these relationships. How can I, what can I do that will spend time? You might know a colleague at work and you think, well, what can I do? Well, I could invite him round for a meal or whatever. Or we'll go to the pub at lunchtime. Or, or it might be a group of people we're trying to reach and mums in the area so what can we do to build relationships with them 
And then also we're going to ask, well, how can we share the gospel with them, obviously? And that might be just looking for opportunities in the, in the course of conversation, or it may be that there are some things you want to do that sort of put on that will help, like, a, like the film, uh, film club, for, uh, real, real whatever it is, uh, as a way of to get the conversation going that, that might create an opportunity to share the gospel. But then the third element is to think, how can I introduce these people to the community? And remember, that doesn't mean inviting them on a Sunday, not necessarily, not first off. But actually, how can, they, how can I introduce them to other people in the church so that they can see our, us relating to one another? So they can see... Uh, and, and most of the time, these are very ordinary things. Uh, this mission is ordinary people doing ordinary things. That's what it is all the time. Most of the time. Uh, it's a lovely... Anyway, anyway I'll, I won't go off on that. Another tension. Uh, so just think of just the ordinary things you can do to build relationships, talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, and introduce people to community. So that the bedrock is that ordinary, ordinary people doing ordinary things. But what that requires to work is uh, what I've got. I think it's a made-up word actually: gospel intentionality. Otherwise, you're all, otherwise, all you'll be doing is ordinary things. You've got to be intentional about the gospel all the way through. Um, so, if with this model, when you're not community-centred, then all you do is share the gospel. But when you're not cent- when you're not gospel-centred, all you do is just build relationships and have a good time with people. And so, you've got to kind of running all the way through is that intention to share the gospel. It is a word. God does his work in the world through his words. And mission takes place as that word is shared. And so we need to be thinking all the time, how can we, how can I, well, just those three questions, how can I be doing this with people? I suppose what I'm saying is, you know, if, 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 you, if this model doesn't, doesn't have, a, a, you can't sort of program this model. You can't sort of, not, you can a bit, but you know, you can say, well, that's, that's every week, let's meet up or whatever. But most of it is just about doing ordinary things and ordinary stuff of life. But if that's going to work, you need a culture where the gospel is at the centre of, of your life and your life together as a community. You know, we need to be uh, those uh, sort of like those sticks of rock where, you know, you cut them and wherever, wherever you cut, there's the word, the gospel is. Whenever, you, whenever I cut you, at whatever point in the day, uh, you'll be thinking, somewhere in your head, you'll be thinking gospel, gospel. Okay? Uh, let me carry on and then stop for some questions. No, I'm pointing at the screen instead of the computer. In because uh, you think, well, one of my problems is, and I'm, I, some of you have said this already to me already, is that. We just, our lives are so busy, aren't they? And we just think, and I think often, often we have this kind of slightly compartmentalised view of uh, life. So that when uh, you go away to your church weekend and the visiting speaker says, you know, you really ought to be doing more mission, uh, and, you, and you know, you're up for it, you're all, you know, got, uh, got good Christian gospel people, and you think, well, I really wish I could do more mission. Well, you can't really make this little block a bit bigger. So, but how can I make that bigger? Because that's fairly fixed. 
mission, but actually, you know, two weeks' time, nothing's changed because you just haven't found any more extra. You know, suddenly, haven't you haven't gone away and found there were 26 hours in the day all of a sudden. Um, and uh, what I want to say is that actually, uh, we don't need to be so compartmentalised about life. Uh, we don't need to think that, that mission can't take place in these boxes. You can't have a model that's a bit more like this. So that actually, you don't think of mission as events that you put on. You know, mission is not simply doing some street preaching or turning up to the guest service. It's actually running through all of life. Because it's about gospel intentionality in the relationships that you have. Those are relationships you have at work and at home and with friends. But also that kind of commitment to community is running all the way through life. So church is not just a thing you attend on a Sunday morning, but it's, it's, a, it's something that you belong to throughout the, throughout the week. So that you're meeting up with your Christian friends. You know, church church is, is not just what you do on a Sunday, it's as central and defining as that is. But it is also meeting up with believers through the week. To introduce to your to your unbelieving friends. Now, if that all, all of that uh, all of that sounds sort of well, well, you know, let me just give you a couple of things to illustrate. Okay. Um, uh, recently, a Christian friend came to visit us for the weekend, and uh, he supports. Uh, this is an old story because, of course, uh, we're now in the Sheffield United is now in the Premiership. But anyway, we, uh, actually, the story is my, yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. So we went to Bramall Lane to watch Sheffield United play, the team that he supports. And uh, I also took my daughter Katie and uh, an unbelieving friend from Thailand, an uh, international student. And then afterwards, they, the Thai woman came back with the friends and we had a meal together at our house. Now, is that leisure and family time? Uh, yeah, it was. Is it, uh, is it, is it church? Uh, yeah, it was. It was because we were. Was, my, my friend was my Christian friend was there, and we were there to encourage one another. Is it mission? Uh, yeah, it was. We were spending time with an unbeliever, looking for opportunities to talk about the gospel. It was all of those three. It was. It was so bad. All right, and then the next week we went out um, uh, for a walk with a family in church. In fact. In fact, I remember thinking in the morning, thinking, oh, I just need a break, you know, I just need a, a, a relaxing day on Saturday, you know, I just need to, okay, we'll just go for a nice walk in the country. And then we rang up and some friends said, you want to come with us? And then they brought some, a uh, couple of unbelieving friends. So by the end of the day, I suddenly thought, oh, is that family time, leisure time, mission time, church time? It was all, all four of those things again, you see. It's not, it's not rocket science, you know, I, but can you see how you can... Uh, and so, but what again? What counts is having that gospel intentionality running through. Otherwise, it is just a walk with friends. But if if, if you're committed, we'll think about, more about this tomorrow. To encouraging one another with the gospel, then actually that becomes building up the body of Christ. Even though you know you might it might just be some praising God for uh, the beautiful countryside around you. But even that is building up the body of Christ. If you're committed to sharing the gospel of unbelievers and you're walking along and again you, it's all part of sharing the gospel.
gospel. Or you may not even have the opportunity to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, but if they know that you're Christians and they see the way you relate and the way you live, then that will be that will be the sort of that will be part of the picture, maybe, of what attracts them to Christ. What we found often in our experiences that people are attracted to the Christian community before they're attracted to the Christian message. They see something in the life of the Christian community that they just intrigues them and attracts them. And then they begin to ask the questions about Jesus Christ. Um, anybody know who that is? Uh, he was the kind of uh, exemplary uh, example, or other exemplaries, anyway, anyway, um, of uh, something that was called total football. Uh, it doesn't really actually matter what total football is. What I'm talking about is total church. Where you think of church not as a building or a meeting or something you do on a Sunday morning, but actually the whole of life is total church and total mission ordinary life done with that intention of sharing the gospel living the gospel sharing your life with believers and unbelievers okay uh, let's, let's no one more one more one more Let, uh, I keep wanting to stop and have questions and then I think no they just finished this just let's next little bit um, I don't know if this uh, if you can relate to this this you know, some diagrams just don't work for some people and do for others. This works for me, but it may not work for you. Uh, this is how I think often we go around. It's ordinary life, this is a little bit of gospel. We want to, you know, we want to live for Jesus and so on. But, you know, it's sort of ordinary life, that's a little bit of gospel. And then when we go to, uh, when we go to church, um, our church meetings are full of uh, religious stuff. That's a technical term. Um, one of the things we're trying to do is uh, push up the kind of gospel quota in ordinary life so that we're kind of infusing ordinary life with the gospel so that it's normal and natural for us to talk about God in, throughout our life with our family, with our friends, with our unbelieving friends. It's just normal to do that. It's normal when we meet with our uh, Christian friends to just say, well, you know, I, saw, I was reading the Bible this morning, isn't it wonderful? Or, I've had a really bad day, I've just been struggling with this temptation, or, uh, uh, could you pray for this? You know? And to do that just as normally if unbelievers are there as if they're not. So that they sort of see us living out, our, so that they can see the way that our Christian faith integrates into our lives. Okay? And then uh, it, what we try to do is try and reduce some of that religious stuff in our meetings. So that they're more, for, 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 particularly for the unchurched, for people that, uh, and that's about uh, 60% of the population, 80%, well anyway, it doesn't matter. The majority of the population have either never been in the church or have not been in the church for years. And so that, you know, coming in, it just feels alien to them. There's about 20% who, uh, who, who do have some contact with church. But for the majority of people, it's, it's a very alien experience. And so we're trying to make that less alien. Now, what happens, of course, is that when they do come to church, it's not such a big jump or gap for them. Because when, when I begin to build a relationship with my unbelieving friend, 
I introduce them to the Christian community and so they begin to meet a group of people and they see us talking about God, living out the gospel, struggling and falling out and making up and but but they meet us and they see us in action as it were. And then when they come to church, it's not actually so very different. They meet the same group of people, they you know, they know half the people there already and uh, what they see is a group of people talking about God and, and there are some differences, you know, singing and so on, but but it's not such a huge jump suddenly for them. Can you see that? And uh, not such an alien experience. And uh, and uh, not such a threatening occasion as well. And uh, I've got some stories here, but maybe I'll stop them instead and ask for any questions or comments. So I'll take a break. Yeah, let, let me make a couple of comments. I mean, we said earlier that um, I mean we, that proximity does make a difference, and the ten-minute walk is feels different to the ten-minute drive. But um, but you know what I've what I've been talking about about sharing your life and introducing people to the to your network of friends. You can do all of that even though you're not in the same area. It might be a little harder work, you know, and it's you might have to sort of motivate yourself on a dark sort of wet. Uh, November evening kind of thing but you know you can still go out to the cinema with people you can still share a meal with people so it, it, it doesn't depend on living in the same area um, and then in terms of uh, the mums and so on I think it's important for us to have a primary identity which is in a in a local congregation uh, for a couple, I mean partly because when we come back this tomorrow there's, there's somebody where you're accountable to and so on and also there's you know what what there's all that cross-generational, cross-class stuff going on, which is so important. 
But I, I, I think mission through community can apply in the workplace or in the playground, where obviously if you're the only Christian in your place of work, then that's a bit difficult. But uh, although even then you can still invite them to meet friends outside the work context. But but people can still see Christians relating to one another, even if they come from different churches. Maybe even because they come from different churches, they can still see Christians relating to one another, and that kind of adds to or. And, uh, uh, what's the phrase that Paul uses in Titus? Makes the gospel of our God attractive. Uh, adorns the gospel. That's the phrase. So that can still take place. Yes. I don't know. Part of me wants to say, so what? You know, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It wouldn't be a bad trap to fall into, to seeing life as a sort of mission project. Uh, but I guess what I, but what I, re- I guess what I want to say is to go back to what we were thinking about last night, and that actually, I just think there are moments in my life I wouldn't want to claim too much here, but, but I just think oh, Jesus is so wonderful. I just want to introduce everybody to him I want everyone else to fall in love with him and uh, so uh, maybe substitute the word gospel for the word Jesus so that wherever, wherever I cut you instead of the word gospel you get the word Jesus does that feel better? that's probably a better way of putting it maybe I should put it that way so we're not talking about a kind of gospel which is a sort of abstract you know, proposition uh, project to make it known we're talking about a person talking about our saviour and we're saying he should be well, you know, I don't even want the word integrated you know it's like um, you know my wife isn't here but I'm still a married man that's still that's my identity I'm just uh, married to Helen and uh, it's the same with me and the Lord Jesus Christ but the analogy works very well because I am kind of and so wherever I am, I am Tim Chester, uh, bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, I, some of you will hear me talk about my wife, and just in the same way I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ when I'm out and about. Does that make, does that, does that help? I, I don't know. Other people may want to comment. Yeah.
If I played golf regularly with a man and he never ever talked about his wife, he talked about other people he knew, you know, his friends at work, every, but he never talked about his wife, I'd think there was something wrong there. Don't you think? It's, it's, if, if we're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to want to talk about him. You know, you're not, you can't push anything on anybody, but that's, it's going to be part of I think some of us, I, this, I, I speak for myself here, really I do, you know, we, we've got in the habit of not talking about God. And so it does feel a bit weird when we start talking about God with our unbelieving friends. Um, but when you stop and think about it, the weird thing is not to do it. And if we love, somebody said to me, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, have to be doing evan- evangelizing because then it won't be a proper friendship. And I thought, if you if you have a proper friendship with someone who's going to hell, what, what kind of? I mean, sorry, now I've got, I get my um, metaphors are running wrong way. Anyway, you know, almost you you can all put it, compete it for yourself, can't you? I'm going to want to tell them about the good news that will rescue them from that. I can't force it on them, I know that, and if they tell me to shut up, I'll shut up. But the other thing I would say is, introduce them to the Christian community. Find someone else to play golf with. Let them see Christians relating to one another. And one of the great things is that also, as you begin to do that, and again, don't think it means necessarily inviting people to church straight up, though, you know, that may happen, but just having relationships in the different, is that our different gifts and personalities complement one another. So some people are good at building relationships with new people. In our congregation, that's Bill. Bill is the kind of person that just knows everybody. Half of Sheffield knows Bill. Some people are the kind of socialites. They're the ones that organise stuff. In our case, that's 14-year-old Anna. She's the one that sort of goes around making sure, you know, why don't we all go to the cinema, you know, she's the sort of organiser for us. Some people are great at hospitality, I think my wife is in that category. Some people are good at initiating gospel conversations. Now that's, that's not me, I can tell you. Uh, in our case, that's probably Matt. He's the kind of person that starts talking to the go- with the gospel of someone he meets on the bus, you know. I just can't imagine doing that, you know. And then there are some people who are good at confronting heart issues. In our case, that's Samuel. My, uh, my friend Samuel. He's the one that will ask, you know, so I don't know how he does it. He asks those questions and suddenly people, people's hearts are out there on the table. Kind of thing, you know. Now, I'm not good at any of those things. All those things I've just listed, I'm not good at any of those. I'm confident. Uh, but... Uh, but, but when I start introducing my friends to the Christian community, suddenly all those kinds of people are there helping me reach, reach those friends of the Gospel. So, I, you know, my friend comes along and suddenly Samuel's got his heart out on the table doing heart surgery on him, you know. Or, uh, I, I just marvel, you know, it's great. Whatever, you know, you get the idea? So you may not, I want to encourage you to be someone who talks naturally about God, but you may not be the, a good person at sort of confronting your friends with the claims of Christ, but somebody in this room will be. And it, it's not a case of saying, come over here and meet my friend, he'll tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, 
you go to the cinema together and then they have a meal together and then eventually sometimes it'll it'll just it'll happen, you know? So you with me? Can you see how that makes sense? How that works? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, two good points there. I think, which I can't remember now. Um, you don't have to be pushy. It, you, so you can just, it can just be, you know, I've, it can be the kind of, I've been away on a church weekend this week and it was great. We had a really good time in terms of family. You know, you, so you don't have to sort of do the uh, two ways to live, six points, two ways to live all in one go. You know, you can just, just begin that kind of, that's a start, isn't it, really? And, uh, but also, um, it's also about listening to people. It is about relationship. And I think one of our, you know, it's one of the things we should be thinking about is just getting to talking about what's going on in people's hearts. A lot of our relationships are, all take place on the uh, how's the weather, how's the England football team doing. Um, and uh, you know, one of the challenges I think is just to go a level below that. And that's not necessarily as, as you don't necessarily have to be talking about Jesus at that point, but just to begin to talk about personal issues with people. And and you, you just don't know where that will go. Uh, but also, I think another thing that's important to say is you don't have to tell them the whole gospel every time. You know, that's, that's not the aim. Go trust, trust God. It's not like this is your once-in-a-lifetime chance. Uh, and it may just be a little thing about, oh, you know, just uh, what happened at your weekend and what was done in the sermon or just a little tiny thing. Just even saying, oh, I'm really grateful to God because uh, such and such has happened to me. You just that, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about first off just go to your Christian prayer your, uh, t- turn up at work on Monday morning and say uh, I'm really grateful to God have a great weekend how was your weekend Yeah, just looking at, at what it, looking at them really, and, and seeing how what is the, what, what what it is of the gospel that connects with where they are and, and their needs at the moment. I don't I, what I what I what I don't want you to have is to think that there are a kind of set of tools or techniques that you need to apply in order to get conversations round to you know the four spiritual laws or whatever it is you go for. What I want you to have is to be people who centred on God's grace, who love the Lord Jesus and who's, who don't separate their lives into bits so that, that that love for Jesus and that commitment to the gospel is there throughout all of life and their commitment to the Christian community and just see what happens. Pray that God will give you opportunities. 
So you, uh, you don't have to sort of go out on a Monday morning thinking, I've got to find a way of getting that conversation around to such and such. Just be a person whose life is full of Jesus, and sooner or later it'll come around. You see what I'm saying? Yep, yep. take that as a cue. That, in case you didn't hear, that was just somebody, uh, a friend who, uh, of Paul who gets lots of opportunities, but that's actually because he prays for them, prays for those opportunities. I often pray for opportunities that are so big that I can't help but fall over them, because I'm very good at avoiding opportunities. I mean, partly because I'm a bit slow, and I sort of half an hour later, I think, oh, that was a great opportunity for the gospel, it's gone now, you know. And partly because I'm a coward. And there's the opportunity, and I think, don't think so. And uh, so, I, yeah, I pray for opportunities that sort of hit me in the face. And, you know, I can't sort of get out of the way of, you know, because that's, that's my, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's use that as a cue to kind of round up, because uh, lunch is uh, sort of trundling towards us. And uh, uh, Miriam, could you read the, the, la- the last bit of chapter three for us? And... Uh, Okay, so we're at chapter 3 and it's starting at verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you very much. Uh, what I was going to get you to do, and uh, we don't have time, is uh, two, two exercises. One is just to, uh, you'll see in your notes there's some, a thing with three circles, and uh, here are some bits of paper which I'll just uh, quickly...
Again, it's not very flashy, but it's just a way of thinking about the. Is this, if you think about that triangle, here, here's the relationships bit. What are the? And it's really just getting you to think through what are some of the relationships you already have. And if you've got your uh, booklets with you, and uh, you turn to page seven, um, you can sort of fill in your own version of that. And then here are some things to think about. Number question two. How could you be more intentional about serving those from different racial and social groups? How could you be more intentional about being distinctive as a Christian in your involvement and finding opportunities to share the gospel message? How could you be more intentional about working, welcoming people to the Christian community? And how could you be more intentional about working together with other Christians? So you can map out your involvement in the community already, the relationships that you have, and then maybe reflect on some of those questions. And that might be something you could do um, uh, maybe in a house group or maybe in your quiet time tomorrow. Um, and, then, uh, and then also at the bottom of page 8, a uh, similar kind of thing, but now thinking of the uh, introducing to community bit of the triangle. List the activities that you do with other Christians... How would unbelievers feel if they joined you in these activities? What would they see and hear of the gospel in this context? So there's a couple of things that uh, you could think about another time. But uh, time is... Uh, unbelievable. I, I sort of... In the programme it said 9.30 to 1 o'clock and I thought three and a half hours. I was sorry to have so much time. How am I ever going to fill it? You know? And here I am rushing to at the end. So there we go. Isn't that amazing? Um, so that was that reflection there. And then we... Oh, Oh, that was just something completely different, which I've just dropped. Uh, think back to the dreams for your church. And uh, just in your heads, what are the obstacles that might prevent you realising those dreams? What are the obstacles that prevent you becoming a living display of God's wisdom in your neighbourhood? You see, there's a bit of a credibility gap, isn't there? Heaven on earth, we were thinking about earlier. The place where God lives the fullness of Christ and I uh, hope you won't think me too rude if I say I look around the room and the idea that you might be the display of God's glory it seems a bit uh, crazy and then if that wasn't crazy enough in verse 13 of chapter 3 Paul says he asked them not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you uh, not only do uh, not only all of that, but we, are, we face persecution and opposition. We are small, ignored, often ridiculed. How can we be God's home on earth? And so Paul says, don't lose heart. Uh, don't be discouraged, as it says in, uh, in the NIV. And then Paul says, when I think of all this, uh, for this reason, I kneel before the Father and pray. And uh, he prays this uh, wonderful prayer that we've just read out. And uh, what I want to highlight really is that uh, this project of building a home for God in East Oxford, of, of being the display of his glory, is a supernatural project. That what, what God is doing among you, well, obviously by definition, 
is a supernatural work. And we shouldn't lose track of that. When we sort of think about, you know, we could do this, we could do that, we could have that event, you know, we mustn't lose sight of the fact that this is a supernatural work that is taking place. And so Paul prays for supernatural power. He prays that out of God's glorious riches, his glorious, his uh, uh, unlimited resources, as the uh, New Living puts it, that he might strengthen uh, the Ephesian Christians, that he might strengthen us with power through his spirit. And he prays that so that, uh, for two reasons, so that Christ might feel at home in our hearts. Again, that's how the New Living uh, Translation puts it in, uh, in those verses. Uh, that Christ might feel at home in our hearts uh, that he might, if you like, capture our hearts uh, that he might be at the centre of, uh, of our hearts, of our emotions of our feelings, of our affections uh, and then he prays that we might understand, that we might have power to understand Christ's infinite love verse 18, that we might have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God as we said already love if you like is the soil in which we grow or is the foundation on which we build and how much does God love us well we've already seen that haven't we in chapter 2 when we look at the cross how we were slaves, how we were dead, how we were rebels, how we were objects of wrath, but now we have been given life through the grace of God. And, uh, and so we need to pray for that, that we might grasp that more and more. Um, I always say more and more because, you know, we have, it's something that, uh, that we can never fully grasp, isn't it? It's bigger than the universe. You know, it's uh, how wide, how long, how high and deep. Uh, and uh, yet that is what we are, are called to, to grasp. And then when you think about the dreams that you have for your church, uh, just hold those in your minds for a moment and then listen to what Paul says in verse 20. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, uh, let's end with prayer. Uh, let, let me pray as we end and I'll use that prayer to pray and, uh, and then we'll wrap up, I think. So I'm just going to adapt those words as we pray. Our Father, we pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all your fullness. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.